Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Between the Lines. And check out our new show, Just Between Us, every week on our YouTube channel. And please, become a patron at barrykibrick.com to help us continue our mission. In episode one of my conversation with Robert Greene about his book, The Art of Seduction, we focused on the character types within us all that we can identify as seducers. I'm Barry Kibrick. In part two of our discussion about his book, Robert arms us with the weapons of persuasion and charm so that those around you will slowly lose their ability to resist without knowing how or why it has happened. Robert, we, we, we joked a little bit before that I, I wasn't sure if you were the record holder or you were tied, but now this is officially the sixth episode of You On Between the Lines over the last 10 years. I'm aiming for 10, <laughs> Well, we're, then you got to write more, that's all, because I've had you on for every single book that you've put out, because you are a genius, in my opinion. Am I seducing you? Yes, you are. <laughs> okay, very good. Good, very good, very good. good, because this is the second part of the book we wanted to talk about. And that is that this process, because when you when you read the book, you you, you almost feel like you're not gonna be the JFK, the Errol Flynn right. or that, right. but you do still have the power to use seduction, not like I said in, in the first episode, in a villainous way, but it, well, you could, I guess, but uh, to use it as a true form of persuasion and in a, soft, as you, you said, gentle way. So in a sense, in the truest sense, if you do it right, you're almost, in, you're almost enlightening others by it. And that's what I, I, I enjoy now about this part of the discussion. Yes, um, so I have, we mentioned there are nine types of seducers in there and I encourage people if they get the book, to figure out which one or two they identify with. But there's a tenth type. And the tenth type is the anti-seducer. And that's someone who does seduction so badly, who's so socially inept, that he or she literally puts people off, repulses them, the opposite of seduction. Um, we all have anti-seductive tendencies. And I kind of list what they are, talking too much, preaching, judging people, being sort of brutal with them, being in a hurry, not listening. If you can just eliminate these anti-seductive tendencies, you're gonna go a long way to improving your social interactions. Well, you even say the major rule, never be forceful or yeah. direct. Instead, use pleasure as bait, playing on people's emotions, which we did talk about in the first part, but really stirring desire. Right. Isn't that, that's what it is. It's stirring that desire. Right. And desire, it's not a bad thing to stir. <laughs> no, uh, I, not at all. Um, you know, it, you, you've got your, uh, your work world. I'm trying to tell you that seduction is like this other area, this other realm that you enter. It's like, a courtship romance area, if it is a sexual seduction, you're taking somebody out of their day-to-day -day life. They work nine to five at a job or wherever it is. And now you're bringing them into this other world. 
um, where you, you take them to certain places that are special. You, in, you act in a different way. Maybe you dress in a different way. Um, everything's sort of heightened and dramatic and maybe even slightly theatrical. And you're stirring something that they don't normally get at their job. Well, but, you, you say it. You say you're creating love and enchantment. Yes. Isn't that that and that they don't get at their job or maybe even at home? Yes. And 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 I think love and enchantment. It's that enchantment part that is even extra special. Not more important necessarily than love, yes. but more important when it comes to fulfilling that role, that seduction. Yes. Um, you know, the, there's an aspect to this. Well, people will tell me, you know, I'm a little bit older. I'm in a relationship. Seduction, what does it have to do with what, where I am? But what is the major complaint that people have, particularly women, but men also, in, who've been in a relationship for three, four, five, ten years, is that there's no more magic left. There's no more enchantment. You know the other person so well that there's no mystery left. They take you for granted. You see them every day doing the same things. You need so seduction is something that can that still goes on even in a relationship, even after you've been together for several years, where you you don't have to do it every day because it gets tiring, you know. Uh, but every week or or month or so, you do something, you reseduce the other person. You show that there's still something they don't know about you. You reveal that there are depths to you and things that they never figured out before. There's still an element of mystery. There's still an element of drama. You're still put in the effort to take them to a place that they've never been to before. These are things that we don't have a lot in the world today. Um, we don't live in a world with a lot of that kind of enchantment. Um, things are very direct and brutal, and I think people have this need. You use these words, and I think this is part of that enchantment, and that is we think more about what we want from others than what they could want from us. Right. Well, imagine a scenario that you probably would have in your life. Let's say I, Robert, want to persuade Barry to do something. We're always in that situation. The normal route that I would go in that, uh, let's say I want to get you, Barry, to um, be on my show or something like that. The normal route would be, all right, I've got to think, I've got to get Barry to do this because... I know he'll love my idea, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But what if I changed the, the whole direction of the thinking? Instead of thinking about me and what I can do and what I need and what I want, what if I went inside Barry's mind? What if I stopped all that internal monologue, blah, 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 about what I want, what I need, and I went, Barry, Barry's a different person. He grew up in a different place than me. He's got different ideas. Try and put myself into Barry's shoes. What is it that will appeal to him? What is it that he wants? You might call it seduction, but it's actually just old-fashioned social arts of knowing how to interact with people, how to get outside of yourself and think inside their skin. I can never know, Barry Kibrick, what's in your mind 100%. It's impossible. But if I could get a little bit more of a sense of what makes you tick, it suddenly changes how I think. It suddenly changes our whole interaction. You feel that Robert is now paying a different kind of attention to you. 
he's actually thinking of what I want and it just changes the whole dynamic between two people. That is one of the main parts of seduction. You give, in fact, an example. I can't remember the name offhand. Sukaro, Sukarno, Sukarno, mm -hmm. and there was a part when I was reading it that you couldn't even tell who was seducing who. So there is sort of a. It takes two to tango. There's a mutual. Right given a, a mutual oh, fluidity. That's the other word that you yeah. use. There's a mutual fluidity, not only within your strategy, but between the two people. Yes, it's a story in there. Uh, Sukarno was a, a leader of, once dictator almost, of Indonesia back in the 60s. And it's a story of the journalist Cindy Smith who's interviewing him. And the image in the West was this is this sort of brutal dictator. And suddenly this writer, this American writer, God, he's not like that at all. He's listening to me. He's, he, he's doing what I want to do. In fact, she had the feeling she was seducing him. At one point he said, you know, I like the color of your hair. I want to have the same hair color. She goes, wow, this supposed dictator of Indonesia wants me to dye his hair the same color blonde as my hair. She thought, wow, I'm having such an effect on him. He's not what I, at all what I thought. In the end, he was controlling the whole thing. I call that enter the other person's spirit. He was trying to be a sponge for her. He was absorbing her energy. He was trying to get inside her world, her way of thinking. And it completely worked like a charm. She found him suddenly not what she thought. But that, in fact, you say when you enter the other person's spirit. Yeah. And by the way, on a most positive outlook, you literally are being, to a certain degree, as empathetic yeah. as one could be. Because mm -hmm. what is more empathetic than physically entering the spirit right. of another person? Yes. And, you know, Think of it this way, you don't get that very often in life, right? Most of the time when you're dealing with people, uh, you never get a sense that they're putting themselves out and trying to think about what your interests are, what your needs are, what you want in life. It's so rare. People are talking at each other. This is what I think, my opinion. This is, and then you, you know, it's like tennis back and forth. You never really get the feeling that the person you're talking to is like actually really listening to you and really paying attention and really trying to understand your point of view. If somebody did that to you suddenly in the office or in the, in the realm of a male-female seduction, you would feel it. You would go, wow, that's rare. And you would, be, you would almost be halfway seduced by just the attention that you could give to someone and show that you're not just sit sitting there listening to yourself and what you want. Is that part of what you call creating temptation to some extent? Is, or is that a little different? There's, there, because, you know what? It, it, you, it is in a way because you say the follow-up is stimulated curiosity stronger than the doubts and anxieties that go with it. What, so that's another way of entering the spirit, so to speak, when you're able to, literally, you're helping 
the other person. That really takes seduction out of the negative connotation we have and really puts it in that positive sense that you're, if you are truly a good seducer, you are making people feel better. I mean, again, we know you can seduce evilly as well. Well, I, 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 I agree with you. And um, if there's a sense of um, both people are involved in the seduction, and, and I believe everybody wants to be seduced, everybody wants to be taken out of themselves. Um, I talk in the book about the siren, which is the most primitive, basic female seductress, the first type of seducer in the world. And the siren is a woman who has a very powerful, obviously, sexual charge. But the idea of the, the, the myth is the siren is someone that will kill the man. He de she destroys him. She lures him out um, into the ocean, and he drowns trying to reach her. And in fact, great uh, sirens like a Cleopatra or a Marilyn Monroe that I talk about, they really could almost destroy a man. They would make them fall so deeply in love. Why would a man ever be interested in a woman like that is the question. Why did Caesar fall for Cleopatra? Why did Mark Antony? It's because men secretly want that. They want the danger. They want the possibility that maybe this woman will destroy them. They want the danger. They want the element of risk involved. They're secretly attracted to it. Um, so getting back to your statement, not everything in seduction is has to be the sort of, it's the opposite of political correctness. But there's an element that people want more than what they're getting in the world today. And there is a sense that men want this kind of danger and this sort of primal element where maybe getting involved, this woman could destroy me. Well, what, what your own words say it best, Robin, I'm going to read it. What people want is not temptation. Temptation happens every day. What people want is to give into temptation, yeah. to yield to it. Yeah, yes. Um, you do because, you know, if you think about your life, you spend a lot of your life kind of being defensive because people are always trying to get something from you. You know, their advertisers are trying to get you to buy their product. People are in your face. They want you to do this, that, and the other. And so you get defensive. You get your walls up. You don't listen. You just try and go home and not have to deal with any of this crap people are throwing at you. And But then it becomes something else in your life where you're, you're closed off to new experiences. You're closed off to something a little more emotional and profound. And so because so many people are so defensive in the world and you feel it when you deal with them and you know it wherever you are, um, they want to let go of it. They want to let go of this. They want to be tempted into something else. They want an adventure. They want to go on a ride. So there's great, um, we live in a world where seducers actually could, could thrive because so many people secretly want to be taken out of their lives. Now, Let's put out one more that's a little bit of it. The mastering the art of insinuation. Mm. It is the supreme means of influencing people. Yes. Um, I mean, a classic example is uh, in a course of a conversation, somebody says something a little bit disturbing or a little bit strong. 
And then they go, oh, never mind. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say that. Forget about it. Don't listen to what I just said. Well, obviously, you're not going to forget about it. It's going to sit in your mind and a seed has been planted. That's the kind of thing that insinuation is. It's never something direct. It can be in your body language. It can be in the fact that you appear uh, in your words not to be interested in someone, but your look, your eyes say something different than what your words are saying. Your look is insinuating desire while your words are kind of neutral and blank. It's the art of planting seeds in a person's mind where they go home after they met you and they think, what did he say there? What did he mean? What was that gesture? If you get people to think about you when they go home, you're halfway towards a seduction because your spirit has entered their mind and now they're thinking about what you said, about what you did. So insinuation, planting seeds, saying something that you take back or that is ambiguous is a very key, one of the key elements in, in seduction. I think the way it, it works best, and this is just my own reading of this, is if that surprise almost becomes the person's awareness so that they enjoy the surprise. It's not an element of surprise as if it's an attack. It's almost a an enjoyment of the surprise. The whole point of the surprise that I talk about in The Art of Seduction is that people are normally defensive uh, around you. They're in their minds, they're in their heads. When you surprise them, and what could that be? Well, suddenly you take them to a place that they've never been to, literally. You take them to an outside the city, to some strange place that you've researched, that you've been to, where it's different people and there's a whole, something weird or interesting about it. That moment where they don't know what's going to happen, where they're left waiting, where is he taking me or where is she taking me? They're, they're out, their defensiveness has come down. They're excited, they're wondering, they're anticipating something. In anticipating something, you're having power over them. And so the element of surprise, it can be on many levels. It could be that they discover something new about you that they never knew, realized. They always thought you were this kind of uptight, professorial, intellectual type. And suddenly they discover in your bookshelf some naughty, erotic literature. And they go, oh my God, he's like, not nothing pornographic, but just something different. Wow, he's not what I thought he was. Very powerful, seductive elements are working against people's expectations. Well, in a sense, what works best against their expectations is this. The trick to making them listen is to say what they want to hear. And this is what we talked about before when, it, when, when men became seducers, they used language. This is the essence of seductive language, mm -hmm. what they want to hear. And that goes back a little bit to the Disraeli comment. When you talk about someone else for an hour, they're in, you talk about them, they're enchanted. You talk about yourself, you're a, one of the, a windbag, one of the anti-seducers. Am I correct? Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I compare it to, to noise and to music. Most, most of the time when you're in a restaurant and you're talking to people, you're hearing noise. You're hearing 
blah, 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 blah. This is what I think. This is what I did when I went on this trip or when I went on that trip, blah, blah, blah. It's noise and you kind of filter it out. But then there's music. Now music, you don't like listen to the words. There's something else very primitive going on. It's affecting you emotionally, viscerally, physically. A rhythm to it. Even if they're lyrics, it's not the lyrics per se, it's a mood that's created. Well, that's what seductive language is. It's not noise, it's music. That can be where you're talking about the other person and enchanting them and saying, getting inside their spirit. Something what you're just talking about here, where the attention is on them and you're pulling them out and you're getting them to talk about their life. People love to talk about themselves. They love to talk about their childhood. Suddenly, the, 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 the language that's being interacted is not just, yes, I did this today, yes, I did that. It's like, yeah, when I was six years old, I remember I was really blah, blah, blah about my father, etc. It's on a whole other level, the language that's, that's going on between you. This is what you're after. You're not after exchanging banal information. You're after an emotional effect and you're after creating music. I'm wondering now, we always talk about primal instincts and, and the key, I guess, is fear. That's sort of that the primal instinct that we have. Something as you're talking tells me that seduction is very close to a primal instinct. Yes, yes, I, I think so. Um, I relate it to childhood and to emotions that you had towards your parents very early on in life, um, to the feeling that you might have had if, if you were a boy to your mother or for a girl to your father, but it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. Um, and I re relate it to, um, to rituals of romance, like a mating ritual, like what animals go through, like courtship. I mean, I don't want to get too graphic here, but it's not, sex is never just sex for the human being. It's psychology. We're not just animals. There's, we're, we're involved in psychology. And you've probably had the experience that it's so much better when your emotions are engaged, when that person that you're physically involved with there's a spell, there's something deep about it, you've wanted them and now suddenly you, you possess them or whatever, it's deeper. Um, that is very primal. And I relate it to something primitive. Uh, initially, in our earliest ancestors, there were all sorts of taboos about who you could have sex with. Not your, obviously your sister, your parents, not your first cousin, not your second cousin, not your third cousin. Had to be this person on this mother's side and da da da, da. And what happened in that moment, uh, in those moments? The person that you were not supposed to have sex with was exactly the person that you wanted to have sex with. Because the taboo, the element of I cannot touch this person, I cannot think about them is what made you want to think about them. It's very much involved in human nature. A lot of our primal uh, interest in seduction goes to what we're not supposed to have and the fact that there's forbidden fruit and it excites us. I'm just touching up what you're talking about, the primal aspects of it. 
Robert, we are out of time. Oh. I know this again. I am going to continue a little bit with you afterwards, okay. and I'm going to make that available to viewers on the web. Okay. But I got to just say thank you for being the most seductive oh, author wow. and guest. Thank I you, have. Barry. Well, thank the same you for so you. Much. Oh, well, that's <laughs> what we'll share. We'll share each other's seductive oh, okay. theories uh, uh, okay. for the web. Okay. And thank you guys for joining us too. Now, I'd like to leave you with these few more words from the art of seduction. We spend our lives butting up against people as if they were stone walls, but instead of complaining about how misunderstood or ignored you are, why not try something different? Instead of seeing other people as spiteful or indifferent, instead of trying to figure out why they act the way they do, look at them through the eyes of the seducer. I'm Barry Kibrick. For all of us, between butting up against people and truly understanding them, lays the art of the true seductive powers that we have. Thank you, sir. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Between the Lines, and please check out our new show, Just Between Us, every week on our YouTube channel. And think of becoming a patron at barrykibrick.com to help us continue our mission.